Welcome along to another edition of the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. We kick off our guest recording segment today going around the country, talking with different beat writers, analysts, recruiting experts, you name it. Uh, I really want to give a full national flavor this offseason to the podcast. That way, if you feel like, hey, maybe my team wasn't covered a ton this season, or this specific podcast didn't talk about them, well, I'd like to fix that in this offseason. So we're starting off talking Iowa football with Donnie Hess, who runs the Sideline Sports Network account for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He covers all things Iowa athletics, whether it's football, basketball, wrestling, you name it. The guy is the authority on Hawkeye sports. You can find him over on Twitter at SSN underscore Hawkeyes. And uh, today we just talk Iowa football, the good, the bad, the direction that the program is heading, unfortunately, it was recorded right before they announced Brian Ferentz was taking a pay cut, so you won't hear that uh, talked about specifically, but you will hear Donnie talk about what he thinks about Brian and this offense and some of the tweaks that they think they can make going forward. So until next time, everybody, enjoy the episode. Well, Donnie, thanks for jumping on with us tonight. Man, I've got a couple of questions for you just to... Talk Iowa football. It's not something that uh, is is normally a topic of conversation down here in the South, but I tell you what, Iowa is a very, very interesting study, especially over the last couple of seasons, this last campaign, and and now looking ahead with uh, the transfer portal and, and what you guys have done with the coaching staff. First question for you, I'd love you to set the table. Give us the temperature in the room for the football program, whether that be in-house, uh, on Twitter with, with the fans that, that you interact with on a daily basis. Like, where's, where's the fair weather needle? Are we optimistic? Are we pessimistic about Iowa football? How are we feeling? Oh, uh, the, Iowa, the Iowa football program, it depends on who you talk with and what the temperature is. If you are in the Iowa, Iowa program right now, everything is perfectly fine. That you had you had some bumps and you had some bruises this season. I think every everybody talked about it throughout the country about the offensive, the anemic offense that was Iowa football this year. But if you go online it, it, with with me running the sideline sport network, it, it, they are losing their minds after this latest uh, uh, press conference where Kirk Ferentz basically said there will be no staff changes. So the yeah. one thing that all the fans wanted, and that was Brian Ferentz handed his pink slip. To, to find himself a new job because of the offense's absolutely disgusting lack of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I say with this to it, and maybe this is a little bit of the optimist in me, is that I don't think it's all Brian's fault. If you really look at this last season, two of our starting five offensive linemen, both were injured during the preseason and were not able to play. Mm-hmm. So our offensive line, like, like the previous season before, was very young, very inexperienced. 
and I, it just never gelled. I think the way that most people look in the most people outside the program see that Kirk Ferentz is an offensive line genius. He's put so many in the NFL. He's had so many great times there, but it just never gelled. And then to add to it, our wide receiver room was like an ER because everybody right. kept getting hurt. Bruce missed several games. Keegan Johnson basically played one game this entire season. Now both of them have found themselves in the transfer portal and now are not even with the program anymore. I mean, there were several games where it was Brody Breck and walk-ons. Mm-hmm. So the wide receiver core, I, I look at it last year, was I mean, it just was not a wide receiver core. It was a few people pretending to be wide receivers. So I, I think that's the reason Spencer Petrus did have so many issues is after Lachey and Laporta at tight end, he had no other options to throw the football. So he was having to try to squeeze it into his tight ends when they weren't really open. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you know, that's why I, I want to talk with, with experts, with beat writers, insiders like yourself, because that's not the national narrative, right? The national mm-hmm. narrative is, well, Spencer Petrus is a poor quarterback. The offensive play calling is is suboptimal and and you know some there may be elements of truth in that i certainly think that the offensive play calling the scheme maybe could use some tweaking i can sense that from you but nowhere in the national landscape are you going to hear hey there is nobody to throw the football to outside mm-hmm. of the tight ends right and so hearing that and and seeing okay eight and five with a bunch of walk-ons right catching the football for you could set the stage for you reload at the at the wide receiver position. You have a decent recruiting class come in. Now do you start to feel a little bit of optimism heading in towards 2023? I feel like you could make a very easy case that, hey, you know, you kind of overachieved based off the hand that you were dealt last year. Now what can we do this next season? And, and I agree. And even you could almost even go back to the previous season, the 10 and two year where I think the offensive struggles were, were put on national and the big 10 t- championship game against Michigan where yes, they got blown out, but you kind of saw the same thing. Both seasons are very mirror images, offensive line injuries, wide receiver core was a little stronger the previous season, but still Keegan Johnson was a true freshman. Arlen Bruce was a true freshman. So th- there were a lot of struggles that I think it, it's one of those where I do disagree a little bit with the fan base. I don't think it's all Brian Ferentz's fault. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, well, the offense needs to revamp. Well, if you look at Iowa's offense over the previous 10 seasons, they are throwing the football a lot more than they used to. If you look at the late 2000s, early 2010s, they ran the football probably 60 to 65 percent we're throwing it maybe 40 most of the time in play action situations now they're throwing it 70 80 times mm-hmm. percent when it comes to the games they're in so many more shotgun formations that i think this call by the fan base of we need to update our offense it's like i don't think you understand our offense has been updated by brian ferentz to very much almost the new england patriots type of offense that was run where it's tight ends it's the slot receivers that are big the the wide out the big wide outs on the on the edges we just don't have the speed iowa cannot recruit the five-star athletes out of texas and florida and alabama that can run four three forties and are six four we don't recruit those type of guys so we kind of have to ad lib with our strengths, the tight end usually tends to be good. And then if we can get a good slot receiver, it'll open up the wide guys occasionally for the long bomb. We don't usually throw it, but if we do it in our play action, it may open up. So mm-hmm. I'm not as 
grims as doomsday as many Iowa fans are with it. I think this year could be good. I think McNamara's experience coming in at the quarterback spot, I think has been a blessing in disguise because I think he kind of changed the narrative for Iowa a little bit. Eric all coming in to fill in Laporta spot, who I think is going to be a high draft pick in the NFL. It's going to be a hell of a tight end in the NFL. And then I still think we need to bring in one more wide receiver out of the out of the portal because we're so thin. It's mostly freshmen and sophomores. Brody Breck will come in. He's got some experience, Deontay Vines. But after that, it, it we don't know. Mm-hmm. It was mostly walk-on. So uh, the recruiting class, I believe there's at least three in there. I'd, I'd have to double check it really. I'd have to double check it really quickly. But I mean, the, I, I think the biggest one is is bringing is bringing in the the wide receiver in the in the um, in the uh, portal. I think has been great. Mm-hmm. But I think we just need one more for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So interesting to see how teams fill slots, maybe wait longer than others. You know, you've got teams that are jumping immediately at, at names in that first portal window or the early stages of the second one. And of course we'll have another window open after spring ball. I think there's a lot of teams that need to still fill a lot of holes. Iowa wide receiver certainly is, is one of them. You mentioned your new quarterback's name, Cade McNamara transferring over from Michigan after he lost the job to JJ McCarthy. How does that change the narrative around quarterback at Iowa and what kind of transfer in in whether it's play style or success rate do you expect going from Spencer Petrus who you know whether you think it's deserved or not got a little bit of a bad rap on a national scale to another guy who was highly recruited out of high school maybe didn't develop the way that Michigan thought he would in the early stages and was supplanted by a higher rated freshman Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's a perfect he's a perfect bring in because Michigan's run style offense with with the kind of using the run to open up the pass, I think is perfect. He steps in to an offense I think is really not going to be very difficult for him to learn. I I'm it's one of those that his experience on the big stage. I mean, he he played for Michigan against Iowa in the previous Big Ten championship. There's nothing to sniff at when it comes to that. He steps right. in. He's got experience. He brings a teammate in Eric All in at tight end. So there's going to be some. There's at least going to be some familiarity with him in the huddle coming into this next year. So I'm a lot of Iowa people are super confident. I think they were super happy to see a top level QB that was out there decide to come to Iowa. And he came right off the bat. Like there was no wait time. And I think that really kind of changed the narrative for a lot of fans. They were like, okay, we got our quarterback because Padilla transfers out. Joey Labus is still an untested uh, commodity. Yes. He did pretty well in the bowl game for what he could do for four weeks of trying to prepare against a Kentucky team that had a decent defense, wasn't fantastic. And and he did as well as he could for as, as little time as he really had to prepare for that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think Kate is, is probably the best possible situation to step in for Iowa because of the experience and then the offense that he played in. I think it's not going to take him very long to pick up the Iowa playbook.
Take me to the end of the season. You thump Kentucky 21 nothing, And, you know, when I say thump them, it, it's not necessarily a beat down on the scoreboard. But, I mean, y'all stopped Kentucky from doing anything um, that they wanted to do offensively. And, you know, scoring scoring on, on defense uh, certainly helps run up the score for, for Iowa. But how does finishing with a win over an SEC team – Sure, you can say what you want about Kentucky, but that was a very talented Wildcats team that underperformed this season. But it's still a 21 nothing win for Iowa. How, how does that kind of maybe quell some of the fans or give y'all hope as you look towards this next season? It, it it kind of gave it kind of gave more more fodder to the fire when it came to it because if you really look at it, two of the touchdowns were scored on interceptions for touchdowns. Right. What I find fascinating about it is, is both were scored by true both were scored by true freshmen, hmm. and both well, uh, both were scored by underclassmen that are really really good. And a lot of Iowa fans cannot wait to see Xavier Wampa, one of the best safeties in the entire country, mm-hmm. and a local kid out of Altoona, Iowa. Step up and get an interception in his first bowl game, really, after uh, Kevon, Kevon Merriweather decided he wanted to go get ready for the draft. Mm-hmm. So Xavier got his shot, which I think a lot of Iowa fans were, were chomping at the bit to see that. And then the coming out of nowhere of Cooper DeGene, what I had heard rumors that this kid is incredibly athletic. He was like a three or four sport athlete in high school, was one of the best in his division. It was a smaller Iowa school, but he did everything. He was a quarterback. He was a safety. He was a point guard on the basketball team. I think he ran track as well. So he stepped up and he really became that Mr. Fix-It on the defensive end because we had injuries in the, in the defensive backcourt. Riley Moss could take one side, but really that other side with injury kind of, we didn't have anybody and up steps Cooper DeGene, who many people thought was going to be a safety. He steps up and becomes a great corner and then has so many great plays during the season that Iowa fans were absolutely loving him. And what does he do in the bowl game? Gets a pick six and I love runs into the end zone, takes two steps in the end zone, turns around, hands the ball to the referee and runs to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Doesn't jump around, doesn't act like a fool. No, he acts like he's been there before. So it gave a lot of Iowa fans a lot of optimism, at least on the defensive side. But I looked at that Kentucky game and I looked at the crowd because I, I went back and forth with the sideline network guy from Kentucky and he goes, a couple of their wide receivers were gone. Lavis didn't play. It really was kind of a makeshift bowl game. So mm-hmm. as much as some Iowa fans were happy, we got a bowl win. It's great. It got some some practices into some youth players. There was this odd feeling of we really didn't beat Kentucky. Kentucky kind of let us win with the the outs that they did have. Sure. So there's some confidence, but there's still questions. I mean, there's going to be question marks again. Fan base is <laughs> fan base has been riding Brian Ferentz for two years, so we'll have to see. But I'm 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 quietly optimistic that I think with the recruiting class with some development and then an experienced quarterback coming in. I think Iowa could be dangerous in the West next year just because they are being doubted offensively. And I think if they can find a groove, you could watch, watch out for Iowa Hawkeyes, at least, especially in the the big 10 West. Well, that's a great way to segue into my next question. Where, where do you place this team in the West next season? I mean, you look back at the the regular season uh, on, on that side of the division uh, a nine to six loss to Illinois. You drub Northwestern on on homecoming. 
You crush Purdue in West Lafayette, which was not something that I saw coming. You beat Wisconsin 24-10, beat Minnesota, but then obviously drop that that season finale uh, to Nebraska. There's so many moving pieces in, in the Big Ten West, right? Wisconsin is overhauling their entire offensive scheme. What does Minnesota continue to do? They seem to be a program on the rise, so maybe two is Illinois, uh, and then whatever is going on at Nebraska, right? I mean, Matt Rule, typically when you look at what he does, he tears everything down to the studs. It takes mm-hmm. his team two, maybe three seasons to kind of get up and running, but there's a lot of talent that's transferring and committing over to Nebraska. So help me make sense of this puzzle. Put some of these pieces in place. Where do you expect the Hawkeyes to compete in 2023? It really is. I, I, the West is the Wild West, literally, in many ways, because I, I know there's been the narrative of we really need to reshape the divisions because Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State shouldn't be there. And I go, well, I understand that, but geographical location makes more sense for the divisions mm-hmm. because then you don't have the, the funky legions and letter and legions and legend le- leaders and legends divisions that we had a few years ago with Michigan and Michigan State was crap in so many ways because we lost Wisconsin. And if you ask most Iowa people, we want that game against Wisconsin. We want that game against Minnesota. We want that game against Nebraska. Mm -hmm. It's not our fault that we're in the West and you guys are in the East. I, I, there's a punishment factor for the West that I think is, is fascinating at least in the national narrative, especially, but I think the West can be interesting because there are so many programs that are similar. Wisconsin for the longest time is similar. Now, Will the new head coach bring a change to Wisconsin football? I'm intrigued by that hire because Wisconsin is used to the power football game. Really good. A lot like Iowa, good defense, good special teams. Offense is decent enough to get them wins. How will a spread offense work in Madison? Because it's not like Wisconsin has got a lot of five-star athletes. Cincinnati could kind of pick off a lot of good athletes that didn't go to the Ohio States. So they had a little bit more talent. It's a little bit like what happened with Frost over in Nebraska. Him leaving UCF, I think, was a big mistake. And and some people go, you're bashing. No, I honestly think he had a better program at UCF than he ever was going to get to at Nebraska because the recruiting down in Florida is going to be 10 times easier Mm -hmm. to get a kid from Miami to come to UCF than to come to Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, that's just the honest to God truth. Will these spread offenses work in the Midwest in November? Mm-hmm. It's like Great UCLA point. and UCLA and USC coming in. The, the one comment that I saw from so many people was, I can't wait to see UCLA come and try to play a football game in late October, early November in yeah. Iowa City, because yeah. those California boys are going to get a reality check on what football is like in the Midwest. So I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. I, I'm a little bit more focused on Iowa. I think Nebraska rule. I think I agree. I think he'll strip it to the studs, take literally everything that Frost did and throw it in the trash because that's pretty much where it deserves to be. <laughs> I want Nebraska better. Like unlike some Iowa fans that want Nebraska to permanently stay in the bin. I want Nebraska to be better because I think it will make Iowa better. I like that. What flick is doing up at, in Minnesota. I, I hope that Northwestern Purdue, Wisconsin, all the West teams get stronger because it will only make it more of a challenge for Iowa to make them step up their game. Because if they don't, you're going to get left behind. So I, I'm I, the West. I think Iowa is set really well next year. 
I think Iowa is a top two, top three team in the West. I'm not going to say title because the way the West goes is one one injury could completely change one team's season. So I, I think they're in the I think they're in the conversation a lot more than some people think. I think the offense steps up a little bit. I think top three worst case scenario, but again, I don't know what Wisconsin's going to do. I don't know what rule is going to do over in Nebraska. And then Minnesota is strong. How how do they replace some of their seniors? Purdue is interesting. Northwestern, there's no way Fitzgerald will let Northwestern stay in the dumpster. I think right. they'll, they'll improve. The West will be tough. I'd have to look at our schedule. I don't think we have a ton of the tougher East teams like we did this year with both Michigan and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll help a little bit too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you mentioned some of the seniors being replaced around the conference. Talk to me a little bit about the guys that you have to replace this next season. I think, you know, first and foremost, when you're talking about mock drafts or doing your draft homework, you're going to talk about Lucas Van Ness, who didn't even, you know, start as a starter mm-hmm. last year and immediately came on, got the most out of his reps. And now you've got guys talking about him at the beginning of the second round. I've seen some mocks where he goes, late first, depending on the run of edge rushers. But take me through kind of some of the key guys that you say, okay, in order to succeed, we have to replace this guy in such a manner and and maybe start at edge rusher. Well, the funny part about it is is I don't think edge rushers actually, yes, losing Lucas Van Ness is, is a loss, but I think that was one of Iowa's strengths this year. They were running seven, eight deep on the defensive line and Joe Evans coming back, I think, gives that other edge rusher on the side. He's undersized, but he has an incredible, incredible tank and an incredible engine. So that's not really the one. The one that scares me replacement-wise is um, is that middle linebacker because we, lo- we, lose, we lose our Butkus Award winner. And Justin Jacobs, who was injured most of the season, goes into the transfer portal and now finds himself out in Oregon. Seth Benson retires. So most of our starting backers are gone. We've had some Deontay Craig played some, played some good minutes. We had some guys that played some linebacker this year that I think, but that's my scary because that's your quarterback of the defense making the adjustments. And then Riley Moss out in cornerback because yeah. you it, it is very, very difficult to replace an All-American type of cornerback who can you can put him on one wide receiver and forget that side of the field because he can shut a guy down so i think those are the two there's the two biggest losses van ness was just a little bit of a surprise but mm-hmm. he was not the scary one it's linebacker and cornerback i think and then cave merriweather out of at safety so the defensive side is where we see our big losses but if phil parker weaves his magic like he always seems to do i, I think we'll be okay yeah, Jack Campbell for me, third third linebacker on my draft board. I've got him as a second round grade, probably depending on where you see uh, Drew Sanders go, who's more of an edge guy. Um, Trent Simpson, the, the linebacker out of Clemson, who is mostly regarded as the best linebacker in the class. 
I think once you start to see them come off the board, then for me, Jack Campbell's that next guy. Kierbeg's right behind him at Wisconsin. I, I think you're going to get to see them called early on day two. Um, that defense is so is so ferocious for Iowa. Tell me a little bit about how that defense is constructed, how it's so consistent year in, year out, because even though the offense struggles at I, you know, kind of historic moments sometimes, right? As far as their scoring ability, the defense steps up and never seems to let a game get out of reach. They're never out of it, even if the offense isn't putting up any points. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's simplicity is scary at times. Is I think Phil Parker really does keep the, the old motto, the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. He doesn't play a lot of these unique crazy blitz packages he play he tends to play that tampa two defense two safeties deep he puts corners usually we tend to play a lot more zone so it's why we kind of a bend don't break defense they they teach the defensive linemen fill your gaps let the linebackers be able to make tackles linebackers be able to occasionally guard a wide receiver in the spread offenses but we've kind of went to a cash defense now with a a, a fifth defensive back to kind of limit that issue of linebackers trying to guard a speedy slot receiver. So he's just kept it simple and he's let the kids just play. And I think that's been the one thing that he hasn't overcomplicated. He hasn't thrown 8 million different schemes at it. He plain and simple. Here's, here's what we do. We do it the same way. Most every time we'll throw the occasional blitz in there. We'll, we'll occasionally throw the, the, the blitz are in a different situations. We'll stunt our defensive line, but in all, it's a really simple scheme. We just run it very, very well. And that's what Parker, he has set that standard at Iowa and he has kept it and kept it for years and years. I mean, look at how many defensive backs he's put in the NFL. Look at how many defensive lines he's put in the NFL. And now linebackers are starting to become a specialty. So it's one of those, the Iowa program in and of itself, maybe it's the way Kirk Ferentz runs it, is that he runs it like an NFL thing. Mm -hmm. They keep it simple. They let you do what you want to do. They let you play football, but they teach you how to do it right. I'm a, a big sucker for a defense that can stand their ground, that plays sound fundamental football, that doesn't rely on the the flashy play to win games, right? It's just kind of a, a wear you down, frustrate your offense, and, and stymie them in the red zone. And that's what Iowa has done so well. I love watching linebackers play. I feel like, you know, nowadays in the, the era of the nickel and the dime defense, when that's pretty much what you see on the field for most defenses – I love the way that Iowa commits to developing excellent linebackers because for me, that's one of my favorite positions to watch when it's done really well. Um, so we kind of set the stage with with Iowa, several different transfers coming in, a, a decent recruiting class finishing right in the middle of the Big Ten, seventh in the Big Ten. Um, you know, nobody that's overly flashy, but it, it felt like Ferentz got his guys that he's going to bring in and, and develop. So do this for me, and I, I put this on our run sheet. However you want to take this, wherever you want to take this, give me a bold prediction, a couple of bold predictions for Hawkeye football this next season. Uh, bold prediction for me would be: I think Iowa can win. I think Iowa will win the West. I honestly think with with the uproar of of Wisconsin, the uproar of Nebraska, Minnesota again having trouble sometimes winning in Iowa City. 
and, and having to come to Iowa City this particular year. Northwestern, I think, will be stronger. I think Iowa wins the West. I, I think there's a lot of talent coming in. I think Cade McNamara gives that little jolt to the offense that at least lets us get done. Phil Parker weaves his magic. They win just enough football games. And I think they they represent the West in the Big Ten in the Big Ten championship game versus Ohio State or Michigan. I just I think the talent that they have, it is all there for Iowa. They can hold their own destiny. I think they can beat every team in the West on their day. I'm so curious to see starting in mid-September and running through the middle of really the end of October. You go from uh, September the 23rd at Penn State. Uh, all the way through October the 21st when you host Minnesota. Got a little bit of a gauntlet in there. Michigan State, Purdue, Wisconsin, and then finishing um, uh, with the Gophers. I'm really curious to see what Iowa does in that middle stretch of the season. The ending, maybe a softer ending, Rutgers, Illinois, Northwestern, and then, of course, finishing with Nebraska. If Iowa can make their hay and, and figure out a way to take a couple of those games is 10 wins on the table for Iowa. <laughs> the the biggest wild card for me is actually not even a big 10 game. And that's Iowa state because Iowa sure. state's the rival is it's the rivalry game. And I, and I don't mean to walk away from the big 10. Again, the big 10 is always tough. Again, nine, nine grueling games against some very well-run football teams. But I think Iowa season sometimes is made, made or made or broken in that Iowa Iowa State game, because it is such a it is such a rivalry. Campbell has done a lot last year. I think Iowa again that offense bit them it, a lot. Like Illinois, uh, the lack of offense hurt them because the defense played really well in, in many many ways, kept them in the game all the way to the fourth quarter, and the offense just never produced. So I think uh, the Iowa State game is is a big thing. Can they go into the Big Ten? regular season to the Big Ten schedule undefeated because you get that confidence. Penn State's a difficult one. That's never easy. Most likely they probably will go out of there with their first loss of the season. I think they can beat Michigan State. I think they can beat Purdue. And the Gophers being in Iowa City, I always tend to tend to tip Iowa at home against the Gophers. For some weird reason, Flick has had trouble in Iowa City. He went there undefeated and lost. He's always seemed to struggle in Iowa city, though. I know he loves going there for the wave, but I, 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 I think they can get out of that little run three and one I, Michigan state's still kind of rebounding. So sure. I, 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 and they hit the end of the year. Illinois is going to be the team in that end of the schedule. I'm intrigued to see how they are mm-hmm. because I think Brett Bielema is starting to get things going there. I think there's a lot of confidence in champagne when, when it comes to what he's doing there. Again, I find it funny that an Iowa, a former Iowa player, an Iowa disciple is is the one changing the Illinois program. I thought that was kind of interesting. But they'll be the one that I look at most likely after that little run. They're the team that I look at and I go, will they be the speed bump that they were last year? So Right. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what that Illinois team is like. Sands, Chase Brown, who... You know, at one point had 54% of the, the offensive production for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm so curious to see how this Big Ten West especially shakes out. Uh, and, and very excited to watch Iowa myself. My girlfriend and her f- uh, family are, are big-time Hawkeye fans. They bleed uh, black and gold. And uh, I'm, I'm very willing to jump on board that bandwagon with them as well. 
Uh, Donnie, as we let you go, let the people know where they can find you and, and what kind of work you're you're doing over there for uh, for sidelines. Awesome. So I so I run the Sideline Sport Network Iowa Iowa um, account. I, I try to do as much as I can when it comes to it with, with the football. I'm constantly each drive. I, I tell you what's happened, what's going on with that. I try to keep track on recruiting. I try to keep track on every single one of the sports wrestling women's basketball has been a blast men's basketball had a big win against illinois today which there was a lot of drama in that particular one with the orange crush i won't go into this is the football podcast i won't go into that (laughs) but i'm constantly trying to work constantly trying to communicate but i i'm not going to dive into the personal attacks on our coaches or our players things like that i try to keep it positive I try to interact with people when it comes to it on topics that I think are worth communicating over. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're not going to see me going out and attacking somebody because I don't agree with them. Most of the time I will, I will move on from that. So I try to keep it positive. I try to keep it as much about the positivity about the Iowa program, uh, the Iowa athletic programs, because I think they're doing some great things. There's some great athletes coming through the university of Iowa, especially in the football program. Yeah. Well, you can find him over on Twitter at SSN underscore Hawkeyes. Uh, Coach Donnie Hess. Donnie, appreciate you coming on, spending a few moments with us, and man, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll keep up with Iowa. We'll keep uh, keep in touch over Twitter as we go along. All right. Sure. If you ever need anything, just let reach out. And let me know. It's been a blast. Definitely will. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you hanging with us. Another episode of the Three Tech Pod. Until next time. So long, everybody. Mm-hmm.